0: I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Catalyst for Change, brought to you by the Shaw Family Foundation. In each podcast, we talk to inspiring individuals who are using entrepreneurial tactics to make the world a better place. If you've been following these podcasts over the first few months, you've gone deep with us into areas that have been highlighted by the Boston Public Schools Administration as critically important to its success. These areas include rigor in our curriculum, mass core. The Re-Engagement Center focused on helping students return to finish their high school degrees and making pathways beyond high school to college and jobs accessible and tangible to all our students. Today we focus on another topic that is front and center in the superintendent's office at Boston Public Schools, admissions at Boston Latin School. Of the nearly 70,000 school-aged children living in Boston, about 56,000 of them attend Boston Public Schools. Over 75% are Hispanic and Black, and 23% are white or Asian. Comparatively, Boston Latin School's student population of approximately 2,500 students is 20% Hispanic or black, and over 75% white or Asian. The racial makeup of Boston Latin School's has been in the news and in the courts many times over the past 50 years. And here to talk with us about it today is Michael Contempasis, who served as the headmaster of Boston Latin School from 1976 to 1998. He then stepped in again to lead the school in 2016 after a significant race-related crisis. Additionally, he served as superintendent of BPS between 2005 and 2007 and he is currently serving as the receiver for the state of Massachusetts of the Paul A. Dever Elementary School in Dorchester, which is in the Boston Public School District and is a feeder into the exam schools. Michael, thank you for joining us today. It's great to meet you and to have you on our podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: In preparing for this interview, I read Jim Sturgis's opinion piece, which was published in the Boston Globe. He writes, The district's lowest-performing elementary and middle schools, defined as those falling into the bottom 10% statewide, serve a disproportionate share of black and Hispanic students. A focused intervention to raise achievement in these two dozen schools would expand the flow of African American and Latino students prepared for the exam schools. This is the underlying cause of the differentials. The Latin school is a symptom. He goes on to say, BPS has failed to address the one-third of its schools that are chronically failing. So my my first question for you is, is kind of about your career because you led Boston Latin School for so long. Um, there's this notion, I'm curious if you agree with it, that the problem actually starts way downstream. Now you're receiving, you're the receiver of the Dever School, which is an elementary school in Boston. So is that ironic that this is where you are in your career? Is it an experiment that the city could potentially p- find fruitful? Is it a potentially a change of t- changing the tides? What, what, what do you make of it?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, the Dever is unique. It's been in receivership. It's been a level five school now for I think this is its fifth year, possibly sixth year. It's made a considerable amount of progress the reason it went into receivership was obviously um, the fact that academically the students were not performing at a level that the state deemed uh, necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has gone through a great deal of dysfunctionality. Mm. Uh, the sc- current staff at the Dever, the faculty and staff, are committed to, re- to bringing the Dever back into uh, a uh, setting which will be attractive to parents and students, and they're well on the way to do that. Uh, It has taken a considerable amount of work and effort. Uh, There are students at the Dever who are extremely vulnerable. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: They need a tremendous amount of support, and to a great extent, it goes beyond just simply the academic training that needs to be in place as well. A lot of that support uh, is generated by, um, first of all, having additional time available, Mm -hmm. having support mechanisms in place that go beyond just simply student support but also address some of the family concerns. But primarily the effort has to be in ensuring that there is a curriculum, particularly in English language arts and math, mm. that is not only rigorous, but is in t- um, addressing uh, some of the uh, uh, deficiencies that unfortunately those students have experienced. Right. And it's not an easy task. Uh, we're looking at the social-emotional kinds of uh, uh, needs that those kids have. But we also are looking at ways to uh, incorporate uh, cultural competency in in the work that those kids are required to do. Mm-hmm. Our focus this year is on rigor. Uh, our focus this year is on ensuring that the math and English language arts curriculum is as rigorous as it can be at each grade level and does meet the state standards.
0: So, so you're adhering to the Mass Corps. Yes. Yeah. Do you, Do you have? I want to go back to what you're saying, but do you have an opinion on um, BPS core versus Mass core? I thought that was. An I interesting I think it would decision. be
1: fruitful if Boston incorporated Mass core pre K to twelve.
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense too. So, so in the Dever, as you talk about it, and and it's kind of looking back to when you were first became the receiver of it, and it sounds like there's been a lot of progress made to date. And thinking about the quote that I just read where, you know, the notion that a number of these issues start in elementary school and we're just not preparing kids to be competitive um, in high school to, to get into BLS. Did you see that as you became the receiver of the Dever? And and how many changes can one make at a, an elementary school where there are all of these other environmental circumstances that could enable X percent more of kids well, to be think, ready?
1: Good question. I think initially those environmental issues need to be addressed. Mm. I mean, I think it's time that the district and the city looked at possibly providing the additional support for kids that are in need. Yeah, That can range anywhere from having a full-time social worker, full-time nurse, full-time psychologist, mm-hmm. all of those entities which... Historically, parents who are uh, generally facing difficulties do not have uh, regular access, have access to. Access, right, right. And I think that it's essential that that service be provided across the district. Yeah. For example, the the the, uh, the Deva has a food pantry. Uh, the Deva provides uh, apparel for students. Right. Uh, we have a homeless population that um, needs constant uh, uh, monitoring in order to make sure that those kids are coming to school. Right. Um, I don't want to get into the immigration issues, but we face those as well.
0: Yeah, of course. With so, the homeless students, are they coming from all—I know sometimes we send them out of the city and then we have to bus them some back Some of them do. City. Yeah. Yes. so You have all of those. And building
1: there. building a sense of continuity yep. between the school and the family right. is difficult in situations where you have to deal with some of the some of the uh, non-academic problems right. that schools face. In light of in light of Sturgis's article, um, I think it's essential that when you have a large number of schools that may be on the commissioner's list, Mm -hmm. that when you look at those schools as a whole, you will find that perhaps there isn't a commitment as rigorous as it should be to meeting standards that have been established by the state. And to have those schools in a situation where there may be... um, uh, Difficulty in in, uh, in in teaching and learning, if you will, absolutely. It becomes it becomes a problem.
0: Well, so you you actually you were superintendent of schools, and so you you had a very specific vantage point that most of us don't get to have. Is there how hard would it be to take a holistic look at the elementary school program in the city of Boston and reconfigure it in a way where academic achievement had better, we had better academic um, achievement outcomes, but also we were able to provide more supports. So one is like, could, could you actually take, could you kind of redo the whole thing? And how much buy-in and support would you need from the city, right? Because I think at some point, all of this comes down to budgets and what can BPS do within this billion dollar budget. And, and so I think, yeah, how, how would you, how, what do you think would need to happen? And do you think it's even possible?
1: Well, I think you have to look creatively at the budget. Uh, It also comes down to political will. It comes down to the fact that we are a uh, city that is economically blessed, if you will, at this time. Uh, And yet we have a school district that does not provide uh, what is needed in order to have what I consider to be... um, an an opportunity for every kid to receive an excellent education. Right. And what does that mean from the the role of the central office? I don't think it needs to uh, look further than trying to build a coherent and aligned, seamless curriculum from pre-K to 12. Yeah. It doesn't have that across the district.
0: Would you get pushback from teachers if the... if? At the administrative level, we tried to implement a set of standards kind of across all schools.
1: I think they would probably embrace it. Yeah. I think that part of that problem is not so much how you teach. Mm-hmm. It's assuring that at every school there is sufficient uh, opportunity for kids to engage in rigorous kinds of activity, yeah. activities that are supported by the central office. Yeah, And, for example, if you look at science in the elementary schools, Mm. K-8, up to about the beginning of this school year, there was only one person responsible for all of science education in the district.
0: Wow. Who's
1: supposed to see to it that it is implemented, uh, you know, uh, with fidelity across all schools? In the English language arts uh, area, there is a disagreement within the folks at the central office as to what approach to take. Those decisions have to be made. Yeah. Because if you don't, you continue to float, you know, in a in a confused state.
0: Right. Those uh, are easier conversations to have though, right? The sure. debate on what to do as opposed to making sure. a decision sometimes. You've been in the school system for a long time. How long have you been in the school system? <laughs> <laughs> a long time. Let, okay. So let's say let's say Few decades, at least. Few decades. So how different? Close to d- four, I think. Or five, go. I don't know. It's amazing. So how I mean, how does so the things that you're chewing on now and that the district is chewing on now how how different or similar are they from what was going on 40 or 50 years ago? Are we thinking about new things? or Are we thinking about the same things?
1: No, I think I think the um, the, the district has always had warts. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: it does everything, right? I mean, like, humans run it, and so Um, we're we're never perfect.
1: I mean, we would not have spent 22 years under the uh, guidance of the federal court if it hadn't been for the fact that the political will was not present to do what needed to be done Mm. and and ultimately resulted in um, the federal court having to intervene. Right. Which, by the way, I would argue... Uh, was necessary.
0: Interesting. Okay. All
1: you have to do is take a look at the demographics at the time. Yeah. Look at the dual entry systems mm-hmm. for grades. Look at what was happening in terms of um, this changing and the shift in demographics. Look where the district chose to build new schools, mm-hmm. which could have been used as a way of ensuring that there would be not only diversity, but perhaps integration right. in those schools. And you begin to think about the fact that, really, the judge had no other option. Now, you can argue about the remedy, uh, which has been discussed at length.
0: Sure.
1: Um, It may not have been the proper way to deal with it, but you can't argue with the finding. Boston was a dual and separate school district, as evidenced by the fact that all of the folks in the minority community wanted— Was quality right, and they wanted access to the same sort of uh, resource allocation that was happening across the district. That did not happen.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Well, it was interesting to me too when I was reading the statistics about the percentage of kids who go to charter schools. There's substantially more black students who go to charter Uh schools than. And is that is that a result of this decision and families taking? matters into their own hands and redirecting their children? It's an children? interesting
1: question. I think there, it, there are multiple reasons, I believe. I mean, I think uh, um, there is as much of an interest in minority communities for getting what is necessary for their youngsters to succeed mm-hmm. as there is anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever the reason, mm. uh, when you read constantly that there are a number of schools that are in need of intervention,
0: Mm.
1: parents have a tendency to want to get what they can um, that's better for their kids. And so, you know, the charter schools present an option. And to a certain extent, um, it's my opinion that Boston never really fully uh, marketed its positives and just uh, let, in fact, Charters has become a viable option.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's very And particularly at the middle school
1: level, I might
0: add. And do you think that's when parents start to really think about, where are my students, where are my kids well, going to end begin,
1: up? I think they begin as early as anyone else does. Yeah, right. Um, and again, part of the dilemma is it's not an easy solution. I mean, we addressed the grade configurations finally. Yep. Uh, just this parent, year. Just this year. Yeah. Um, you know, that took longer than it should have mm-hmm. uh, but we haven't addressed other issues that equally impose on um, the difficulty that you have in creating a seamless coherent uh, system from pre-k to 12
0: so what are what are the key things that would have to happen kind of throughout the system in elementary school to I don't know create like double the but, number of Black and Latino students Just who Just take a look in, at
1: the high schools, and particularly the old district high schools. Yeah. Um, why should there be wow. a great opportunity at the exam schools to take a, a, a large number of advanced placement classes mm-hmm. that aren't offered at the district high schools know, in the same true. number? Right. There's nothing sacrosanct about doing that. You have to have a trained instructor right. and a group of kids who you're willing to take a chance on to put them in a setting and give them the support, and particularly give them the self-esteem that says you can do it, and I'm not going to let you fail. Right. That's the sort of thing that can happen and should happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know the 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 idea behind building a curriculum that's seamless. Um, most suburban school districts offer algebra one in the eighth grade. Why doesn't Boston?
0: Yeah. Why doesn't Boston?
1: Well, that's a good question. Yeah, It would help, for example, to bring some closure to the fact that the math curriculum in Boston at the elementary level probably is very strong for K-1 through 2 or 3. Hmm. But it doesn't do what it should do to meet the standards, grades 4, 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. And so those issues are the ones that need to be, uh, I believe, uh um, resolved.
0: Yeah, so it's framework, really. It's
1: framework. Yeah. But let me go even further. Um, we have students at the Dever mm. who, because of the assignment plan, come everywhere from Mattapan Square to Orion Heights.
0: Right, which is a very broad swath. Which is broad. We have city.
1: young students spending an hour on a bus to come to the Dever. Right. Some of them have been administratively assigned. Right. Some of them uh, may choose it because they see what is happening there, and particularly, uh, we have an emotionally impaired uh, cluster, which is drawing parents who have students with difficulties.
0: And this just was developed over the past couple of years? Couple of years, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so you saw that as being a key to the turnaround.
1: And again, our big problem with having students coming from all over the city Mm. is that it's very difficult to build a um, community kind of approach to the school. Totally. At the same time this is happening, the Dever, if you don't know, is located directly across from what was called Columbia Point. There are at least 11 buses that leave Columbia Point every day and go by the Dever to another school that may be better. Who knows? But it may also be... uh, 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 in need of intervention right and so you've got to begin to think about how do you reframe the district in such a way that you provide some degree of choice Mm. but you also try to build a sense of community the only way you can do that my way of thinking is to build a cluster of schools.
0: So, would, would the best way, would this be the best place for the city and the school system to partner? If, if we move to more community based schools, then certain communities are going to need substantially more support right. than others. And it's really communal support. Right. Right. And so, so, is this a place where it would really, the, uh, if the city could start to collaborate, we could see some significant
1: results? Absolutely, because you can't expect. The staff and the faculty at these schools right. to do all of the things that some of these kids bring to the table. I, I, and so I, I totally agree. The Boys and Girls Club, which are an active portion or part of the extended day, are critical. Access to quality and reasonably timely health care right. is necessary. Right. I had a K-2 kid who needed a neurological you can't wait six months to get a neurological on a student. I know, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And, you know,
0: and, and, you know I, I could call the doctor tomorrow and my children would be in to see someone Absolutely. the next and day. And so how do you
1: fix that? Right. How do you fix that by extending the interest in providing a first-rate level of opportunity right. for every kid that enters BPS? So the business community, yep. uh, at the particularly at the secondary level, you want to reframe the high schools? I mean, you all have read the difficulty with some of the valedictorians. Yes. Well, how do you fix that? Right. Um, and again, um, it isn't just simply the exam schools and the rest of the district. It's how do you build uh, initiatives in these schools that are attractive and require students uh, uh, or, or um, encourage students Right to participate in that. One of the ways I discussed earlier, there's no reason why you can't expand the Advanced Placement Program. Totally. Latin, I think, has 24. Uh, you know, the exam schools have that kind of option.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: looking at building a curriculum that stresses 21st century skills right. is essential. Right. Um, even at Latin school, I think one of the things you were probably going to ask me is how has it changed over time?
0: Hmm, well, that's question four. Yeah. One, of things, <laughs> one of the
1: things that's happened at the school yeah. is that um, there is more of a of a um, an interest in uh, a, a student-centered kind of opportunity for kids, particularly as they get older. Mm-hmm. So in my day at Latin as yeah. a student, Uh, it was the same thing all day long. Teacher got up, teacher lectured. Every Friday you had a test and you parroted back what was given to you and then you promptly forgot it unless you had some way of retaining it. My own experience, by the way. Um, But looking at some sort of activity throughout the school that allows students to to utilize um, some of the skill sets that they bring, not only not only their uh, the the impact that their own upbringing might bring right. but also how do you share you know some of the 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 cultural diversity that is necessary well and how do you just
0: foster them. an environment where that's, that's right. encouraged as opposed to sure. the
1: segmentation which seems to be and how do you foster from an academic perspective changing from what is generally a teacher assist, right. uh, centered kind of opportunity to one which is more student-centered. You're trying to go from a uh, situation throughout the district in Mm. which you're developing independent learners in a system that continues, by and large, to foster dependency.
0: So this is a very interesting topic to us at the foundation because we we are big fans of project-based learning and uh, constructivism, and we certainly think that the... School systems kind of in mass, all you know, across the board, private, public, et cetera, should be moving to much more of that sort of model. It, it requires a significant shift in how we teach, from mm-hmm. what I understand, because teachers really are there then to create kind of a structure and boundaries, but to more be cheerleaders as opposed to lecturers, right? So letting kids get involved, work in teams, kind of, you know, teachers are there to insert theory. To teach lessons, but but for students to really kind of materialize those and to embody those and, and understand and feel them, how, that seems like a significant lift. For you know, so on on the one hand, that seems like an significant amount of work. On the other hand, it seems like man, if we all took a deep breath and started to shift the school system and school systems like it across the country in that direction, would we see significant results? And how how do you how do you instigate even the you know smallest steps in that direction is it school by school do you need really strong leadership like how how does that happen all of the above yeah.
1: um, we've spent the last 2 weeks at the dever strictly doing professional development with faculty staff including the paraprofessionals including the folks who uh, are support in the building yeah in looking at How you begin to implement in English language arts and mathematics Mm -hmm. across all levels, including the kids that are in the emotionally impaired cluster, how do you engage them, the significant ESL population that we have. All of those folks are looking at curriculum or curricula Mm. and techniques to shift primarily from creating dependency. The one that creates independency. its not easy, right? But it needs to be done.
0: I think it's substantially important too, because confidence, right? I think is is um, an antidote for anxiety, and and you know with like the rise in anxiety, and if you look at the statistics of PTSD and anxiety and stress that our students are dealing with, kind of comprehensively across the country, and, and they're in this other side of the coin, which is either, you know, negligence or helicopter parenting. You know, it seems to be like we parent in extremes as opposed to really enabling kids to, to kind of help um, kind of move themselves through their own learning processes. And those are, those are all major trends. Um, it does seem though, if we could start to shift kids to a place where they're more confident and more collaborative and they find a community amongst their peers. It's going to be. Things will materialize outside of school as well.
1: I think. I think you've, you've identified yet another topic that could be a, a, a forum, if you will, for discussion. Yeah. Um, I worry about anxiety. Yeah. I worry about the fact that, uh, um, you know, if I used to use uh, when when, when I would hear at Latin school, that a student who had had all A's finally got a B, Mm. I would bring the student down because he or she was upset, and I'd say, uh, well, congratulations, the stress no longer is there. (laughs) But it is an issue, and it's an issue that um, is, I think, um, difficult to deal with because everybody wants the next generation to succeed. But part of that is learning how to deal with um, uh, difficulty.
0: Oh, totally. Of course.
1: And when, for example, we create a situation, this will probably be controversial. But you know, every student now needs, or every every kid engaged in anything needs to get a trophy. Oh, totally. You know, and if you if you I have a whole trophy case full of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being facetious. third prize. Yeah, You participated. You participated. Yep. Fantastic. And and again. Um, do we pay a price in teaching students that it's OK to fail, but you have to have the grit to more or less come back and, you know, approach what caused it and deal with it? Totally. And that's that's the concern.
0: I do worry, though, that that takes a lot more effort on the point, uh, part of adults. And so sure. we, we sort of have started to let that go. Yep. Um and I and I you know I have a question about all the adults in the room uh, you know who are thinking about school for our kids and you know specifically the issues at BLS and and the NC the NAACP just you know issued another letter and there's you know potential threats of more lawsuits and but those are adults in the room and the city and, and the folks that govern our city are, are other adults in the room and you've got BPS leadership so there's all of these adults in the room. And isn't it just a lot of energy spent finger-pointing as opposed to, like, some real collaboration to kind of create this new infrastructure that actually would kind of make inroads into solving the problem?
1: Well, yeah, and I tend to to agree with you. I'd love to be able to sit down and listen and try to address what really are the concerns in the district. I think part of my... um, apprehension about the the way, the manner in which the advocates for change are moving is that it takes the pressure off the rest of the district. Right, right. And, you know, the district is in need of tremendous support. And it's in need of advocates who recognize that in order to fix it, you better make some difficult decisions. Right. We talked about some of those. If you have one-third of the district, which is providing, according to the state, less than an adequate opportunity for kids, right, isn't that an equity issue?
0: It's massive.
1: And where is the hue and cry? We can talk about Madison Park. Uh, right. A technical vocational school. It closes its doors at one fifteen. Right. Why isn't there a second shift? Right. Why aren't more students, or for that matter, adults, able to, able to access that building on a larger uh, time frame? Is Madison Park offering the the uh, education that's needed to address twenty first century needs? One hundred percent. Is it doing you know. Uh, um, Robotics is it doing uh, um, manufacturing? Right. You know the kinds of things that people in the in the area are clamoring they're not be able to get. Uh,
0: uh, it astounds me that on the business side, there are there are thousands and thousands of unfilled technical jobs. Yep. And then we have a space in place like Madison Park. Yep. that's that we I mean BMW can't even hire the kids that are going through its auto auto, auto mechanics program because they they don't teach what happens in cars today it, this is an extra, I mean it's an extraordinary failure but you see for our students but you see
1: that's my point yeah so focusing on an exam school admissions issue right uh, that you know we predicted back in the 90s would require the district to step up yeah. and do some things differently. Right. Um, if you rem- Maybe you don't remember, but I remember testifying in federal court suggesting that uh, in opposition to the change in the processes, because I didn't think the system had yet stabilized enough to remove itself from the aegis of the court's remedy. Interesting. Now, people will, you know... Uh, Argue with me about that, yeah. But and I recognize that changes in the in the in the Supreme Court and the and the and the law resulted in um, an appeals court decision Mm -hmm. that threw out the process that we used. Right. And you know historically that was not a process that the district established. That process was established by the federal court. The current process in place for admitting students consists of. Uh, results on the ISEE and cumulative grade point average in grades uh, 5 and 6. It's just those two things. It's just those two things.
0: Let me ask you a question. Do, do, Do you think to the same degree that white and Asian families want to send their kids to Boston Latin School, do black and brown families desire that same outcome for their kids?
1: I can suggest to you that in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, uh, when we were under the uh, court um, um, observation, if you will, yeah. not, a, not the right word, but um, uh, there was a lot of uh, initial difficulty, mm-hmm. but I think we built uh, a, a an environment in mm-hmm. which students who came from all parts of the city, mm-hmm. who came from all types of demographics, if you will, mm-hmm benefited from having that level of exposure. Right. Um, there is a need, I think, for uh, perhaps all three exam schools, but primarily Latin. I mean, we predicted that at least unless, one of the arguments I used mm. in federal court for retaining the system mm. was that I didn't think the system had stabilized sufficiently well that everybody could go to any school in the district, yeah. feeder or whatever, right. and get the kind of work that he or she needed to be prepared for entrance to the exam schools
0: yeah, yeah. and you still don't you, you still don't you still I don't.
1: still say yeah. that that's not right. a level playing field and yeah. what we suggested at the time and the argument I used in federal court was that until that occurred yeah that we had to retain some semblance of uh, what I called set asides, others might call quotas. Mm. Uh, you can't do that anymore the way it was done. All right. Um, but Did, again, discussing well, how you would do it, yeah, I think without creating additional uh, court engagement mm-hmm. is critical.
0: Did you so were quotas important because it focused the school and the administration on. Finding students who would be successful at Boston Latin School and who were Latino and Black, or were quotas, kind of a way of allowing those kids into the school. And they didn't meet the same. Did did they have did they have to meet the same standards around AC tests and grades? Absolutely. So okay. So, so then, did it just focus your efforts more fully?
1: It it recognized the fact that um, there might. I, I, when when the when the judge made his decision on the district, yeah. it, he ruled that the district was separate and unequal, across the board. Yeah, that included everyone. Yeah, um, at the time, um, part of the focus, a lot of the focus, was on the remedy, mm. and obviously, part of that discussion revolved around the exam schools. Right. Um, when he found that the district was separate and equal. It was a result of actions that the district had taken
0: Mm.
1: prior to the case being um, adjudicated in federal court. Right. So um, access to quality was essential. Right. And when you saw what was happening in in the city with separate kinds of entry level and grades where the faculty of a school in a part of the city was all first-year teachers, right. and everybody was allowed to move freely without any concern with the building, a lo- a locating of buildings in areas of the city, which I believe perpetuated the separate and equal. Yeah. Look at the number of schools that added um, uh, additions. Yeah. Not formal additions, but they brought in trailers. You know, they built additional uh, room in order to preserve, if you will, that kind of, of, I believe, that kind of uh, 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 unequal or inequity.
0: So do you, on that point at Boston Latin School... Are there more kids coming from a certain set of schools and less coming from other schools
1: in the BPS? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yes. And and part of it is again, um, some of it may be the the, the uh, leadership skill of the of the building administrator. Right. And the fact of the matter is that he or she may be supplementing mm. what is not taught in generally the curriculum right. that's being offered by the city. Now, we hear a lot about parents with means going out and uh, getting the additional I tutorial see help. Yeah. Um, what I would argue could happen mm. very easily is when a student enters grade four, mm. uh, as I mentioned before in mathematics, I don't believe the curriculum addresses the rigor that's needed. Yeah. You know, the ISEE questions are based on state standards.
0: Is it, do you think it's um, a racist test or do you think it's a fair test?
1: If you talk to the people at ISEE, mm-hmm. one of the questions I asked them, I said, what do you do to ensure mm. that the exam questions yeah. are not racially biased? Yeah. They, You should talk to them. Yeah, they yeah. have We're gonna a have process in place okay. to account for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the ISEE is a predictor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what it's intended to do. Mm. Uh, when I've looked at and, ch- and, and talked to those people, mm. uh, they throw out questions that they feel could be uh, somewhat uh, discriminatory. Biased, yeah. But the question is really, how do you take the BPS kids that might not have access and build a system within the schools that allows for that kind of support. One way is enhancing the curriculum.
0: Well, this comprehensive, um, I think we're offering IC tutoring to all
1: It's not enough. It's not enough to just simply do it two weeks in the summer. It should begin as early as fourth grade.
0: Well, and also if the curriculum if the curriculums are diverse across, right? You have the question of diversity of curriculums. You have the diversity, then you have a difference in ter- terms of how kids are prepped for the ICs. Then also on the other side, the other, the other thing that uh, is admissions is based on is grades. And if the, if we haven't level set the curriculum, then how do, how do grades, like, how do you, how, well, how do you use grades? Like my kids went to a Montessori school, right? There were no grades, but we send, Kingsley Montessori School must send somewhere between two and seven kids a year to Boston Latin School. And so and so I'm sure I guess we must assign grades at the at the end of the day to those students and that's what gets submitted. But like it is a little kind of all over the board. Is there a way to well, again, level you, set that?
1: When you when you talk to the advocates, as I'm sure you will, yeah. they will tell you that um, some of the schools in the city yeah. tend to uh, inflate mm. my term. Yeah, I don't know what they'll use, but you know, um, Boston. The kids in in the BPS schools um, continue to use they continue to use a system that numbers their success. Right. So you get a one, two, three, four as a grade. You don't get a letter grade. Right. When you convert to the ISEE, I'm sorry to determine the grade point average component. Yeah. They convert that in the district to letters.
0: Okay. okay. The
1: problem, however, is for years it's changed. Mm. Finally, in order to get an A, it's not enough in Boston to just simply show A work. Mm. There was a rubric put in
0: Mm.
1: when we went in the 90s to a standards-based system that said the student also had to be at least six months to a year above reading level. Mm. Okay. So why is that in there? Yeah. And so if you're creating an unlevel playing field, get rid of the rubric. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Interesting. You know, I always learned that if you earned an A, you got an A. Yeah. And so that conversion factor uh, had an impact, which I think will be addressed. As we have addressed the issue around uh, uh, black and brown students Mm -hmm. who register for the exam, who for whatever the reason in percentages that need to be addressed, aren't showing up to take it.
0: Yeah, I wondered about that. I, I know some students who are Latino who never took the test.
1: Well, And, and so
0: they, there was never the potential of them going to Boston right. Latin School. Well, the
1: potential would increase, it right. would, would be there right. at, a, at a higher grade. Right. But that's my point. Yeah. You've got to rely on yeah. school staff. Right to provide students and families with an option. right? Um, you know, when I went back to Latin school, and I think they had been doing this before, I used the students to go out to their neighborhoods yeah. to meet in community sessions at the local libraries, talking to parents of kids who may not have even realized what's available in the exam schools and what the processes are. Right. The process is is... Family and teacher dependent mm. for a lot of immigrant parents, you know, they need assistance in figuring out how to get through totally. this mess.
0: This whole notion of navigation, navigation the, is an issue. It's a huge issue.
1: I think giving the exam during the week is yeah. a step in the right direction. Okay, um, but it still requires teachers to ensure that the students who show that kind of promise, yes, and and you know and are. It's not just simply their ability. It's whether they have the, 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 the stamina, the grit. Right, the, to be and, prepared for and it and can take, and to the take test. it. Yeah. And that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. That addresses the issue that um, I think percentages of students who register but are not taking the test, mm. that should be uh, a way of at least addressing that issue, yeah. changing the rubric and getting rid of it is another attempt to try to balance what a student in Boston has to deal with in terms of grade um, configuration right. as opposed to the others. But also I think you you addressed this, and we got sort of off the wavelength. I think it's it's essential that the schools, yeah. Latin, the two other schools, go out and really market what's available.
0: Totally agree. And really
1: address... Right. What may be perceived notions about what happens to kids when they go to the three exam schools.
0: I think it's that. I think it's that you have to address the notion that um, it's not for me, that this school doesn't exist exactly. for me or for people from exactly. my family or for my community. Um, and I think also that people need to see that the the school is, is a safe place. Um, and a and nourishing place yeah. for, for their and kids. And the only
1: way you do that yeah. is to encourage people to really come and, right. and, and draw their own conclusions. I mean, I think, I think basically when you ask me the difference in the schools from 50 to 100 years ago yeah. to now, I think you're seeing um, a lot more um, collaboration amongst the staff, a lot of recognition that kids bring things to the classroom, mm. their own cultural background brings things, yeah. their geography, uh, their their uh, traditions. Right. All of that is essential yeah. if you're really going to want to build a a, 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 um, a welcoming 21st century school. I think Latin's doing that. Mm. But getting that message out is critical. Yeah. Um, I know. It's,
0: I mean, it, it's one of the oldest institutions in America. We should be so proud of it. And oh. and we really we really need to help support it and make oh. it the most successful place it could possibly be.
1: <laughs> you won't get any disagreement from me.
0: <laughs> so so on that notion though, and I think I think what's really my big takeaway from this conversation is that yes, all of those things are true, and um, it should be true of the entire school system. That we should be you know an exemplar for all schools sure. across the nation. And so so to that end, you know, kind of. With all of the success and um, work that you've done with the city, well, if I ask you about the next ten years, and I think about it, you know, from the perspective of our foundation, where should we be supporting efforts, you know, with the city, with the school system, um, to shape what you think could be shaped over the next ten years? Where where would Where should we be spending our efforts, you know, both kind of lobbying the city and supporting the city in in its work with students?
1: Well, first of all, I strongly encourage you to do so, and I commend you for doing it. Of course. Um, Just today or yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, uh, someone, the reporter suggested that education in cities is the third rail for politicians. Interesting. Um, It is. Yeah. Uh, It's going to take, I think... Um, the ability of everyone to bring together the the things that work in the district to recognize that you can't have a first-class city without a first-class system. Mm. The arguments that are spent around debating the charters versus the traditionals, the parochials versus the independents, to me, those are issues that take away from really the hard work. We have a population of fifty-six to 57,000 kids. Mm. They're great kids. Yeah. They all have a, a, an interest. Walk into a K-1 class and look at what those kids are doing. And you say to yourself, where do we go wrong? Right. And again, I think you have to take risks. You have to build uh, 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 the options that we've talked about. The business community is not as actively engaged. As they could be is in that, real change.
0: Do you think it's because they're not directed to do so? I think the interest is there. That, I don't think. I don't we, know where the open door is.
1: Right. And I think the difficulty is getting the right people around the table yeah. to get it done. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the medical community would love to be able to work. Totally. I mean, we have neighborhood health clinics. Right. Uh, we have we school-based use, health centers, too. We have too. school-based health centers. Right. Uh, all of these pieces, internships for kids, who are in the sophomore junior senior year yep. in high school, where right. they get a few you know, some change in their pockets, right. where they're introduced to what it is they may be studying. Along with the most important thing mm. is recognizing that if you push students hard enough and they realize that you're supporting them, you can make them do what it is we want them to do. Right. And so, you know, I believe the school district of the future. Will not have walls. Mm. I believe that if you look at new construction, the Dearborn is a perfect example of how the building supports the program, as opposed to the other way around. Right. That's an innovative kind of of thought. Yeah. Um, reshaping the district so that decisions that are in the best interest of the kids sitting in front of you are made by the people at the local level, yep. not by the central office. The right. role of the central office will be to ensure that there is accountability and equity. Mm-hmm. It isn't to get to micromanage the decisions that are made at the school site. It's to build a seamless, as I've said before, a coherent, aligned educational opportunity right. for every kid. Yeah. Fix and build the capacity that you need to provide the support to uh, the academics in the building. Uh, Develop a capstone approach at the high school levels that kids at Latin and now to a certain extent at some of the other schools are getting. Every student in every high school should engage in a capstone activity as a graduation requirement. You know, part of the reason that I believe Boston hasn't accepted the Mass Corps Mm. is it has to change its graduation requirements. I know. You know? Right. You cannot get into the BU School of Engineering as a student out of a district high school, (laughs) out of a a BPS high school, unless you've had calculus. Right. They make you take it over. Right. But – they won't even look at you. No, I know. And so how can you then have a graduation requirement that only carries three years of mathematics?
0: Well, and what's, I mean, it's so interesting, right? Because we cause there, there are these very bright students, including one who's um, interned for us all summer, who's at Harvard currently. But, you know, he did, took a very non-traditional path there and was... Um, at all, all kinds of other familiar circumstances um, happening throughout his life, but he ended up taking calculus at Bunker Hill Community College because someone happened to mention to him that, by the way, you're not going to end up in the computer science program you want to be in yeah. if if you don't take yeah. it. And yeah. so, yeah, it does seem like those are well, when I talk surface about level issues bringing, that we should be able to solve. Bringing people
1: together for years, students who entered um, high school, yeah, not just the exam schools, but ninth grade, who right. may not have had. Algebra 1 as an 8th grade, right. you could not be in a position to take calculus because you were missing a year of mathematics. Right, And so for years, Northeastern ran a summer program which the BPS helped to fund, which has gone by the wayside, I might add, which I think the university should have a moral responsibility to offer. Interesting. Uh, UMass, for example, with its interim chancellor... Has a vision for the school that will look outwardly. They've adopted, right now, the uh, Dever. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And they want they they envision the Dever-McCormick complex developing with the community at at at, uh, Columbia Point. Right. They envision a pre-K to sixteen. Interesting that's the sort of thinking it's very innovative and that's where i think yeah when you ask me what can you guys do bring all these people to the table and bring the political folk in yeah. and create the political will that's needed to do what everybody knows can be done yeah. and should be done
0: right because it seems yeah. like the momentum is there and it's really we just yeah. need to help um, provoke the collaboration right
1: that's and cool. and again not to belabor the point yeah um i firmly believe that we're not getting, unless I hear differently, we're not getting that same degree of push yeah. to move the district from the advocates who are pushing just a small piece of it. For just, yeah, not that that's not ball. important. Right. But you don't at the same time, I believe, want to create a, 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 a conclusion. That's going to end up to be divisive again.
0: Well, and it's to your point. It's the reason you testified in front of Congress that we aren't ready yet to complete. It's yeah, the same Congress, thing, right? Not Congress. Oh, sorry, sorry. The federal court. <laughs> the federal court, exactly. But I mean, but it's the same issue all it's the over same again, issue. which we we still have to take it, a holistic view of things. It's the same
1: issue, and yeah. and again, um, you know, we have. It's it's been for the school. Uh, there's nothing new about transition. Yeah. I mean, one of the questions that I uh, looked at was, you know, what's changed? When did the exam begin? Yeah. Well, you know, I can't go back uh, farther than my first year, which was now 68 years ago at the school. We all were sent to BLS by either the principal or the sixth grade teacher who told me, I'm going to send you. I didn't even know how to get on the streetcar. That's what they were (laughs) called in those days. But when you showed up, yeah, it was dependent on your report card. Right, but students who did not have a specific cutoff were then given a test. It right. was developed, I would assume, by the uh, by the school. I didn't have to take the test, but it was all downhill after that. <laughs> but, but you know, the test to me is not the issue. Right. The issue is how do you provide access for kids. So that they are on a level playing field with those who have um, experienced, you know, whatever enrichment they need.
0: Well, I think so, right? And I mean, why wouldn't we just instigate a whole other conversation? Like, what if the paradigm changed? What if we, what if we, instead of saying, how do we funnel x number of kids um, into one school? What if we said, let's have three more exam schools? and, well, and how would we fill to them? To a certain
1: extent, you do. You don't call them exam schools. But places like Fenway and places sure. like the Arts Academy have their own... Mecha- I don't know if they still... I'm sure that the Arts Academy still has auditions. Right. But neither here nor there. Um, I would look at the high schools right. and say, what can we do here? Right. Look at Brighton High School. Yes. Okay? Look at what's in the community. New Balance. Yeah. Who designs the sportswear? Why isn't there a graphic arts opportunity probably... In connection with right. New Balance. Right. Uh, what's the radio state? BUR. Is yeah. On? They're yeah. out there. Right. Why can't you begin to think about how you build those pathways? All of those collaborations. You can do that. A mass port. How do you become a uh, traffic controller? Right. What do you need to have? Right. How can you provide access to kids? And don't get me started about Madison. I mean, there's a whole host of things that you could do there.
0: I totally agree with and, you. And,
1: you know, where are the where are the trade unions Right. You know, a lot of this, re, a lot of this inability to bring people at the table, has been this resistance right. to really em- embracing creative ways of change. Yeah. Instead of just simply looking at one piece of the district, let's look at it holistically and let's come up with something that benefits all kids. When I first started teaching at East Boston High School, yeah there were 50 students in that senior class that went on to higher education. Mm -hmm. 50. Right. And so they chose to stay at East Boston High School because they probably didn't want to get up early and take the train to get the... I think that's still true. And it's still true. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, you need to address some very difficult political issues. Um, The student assignment plan. The school choice plan. um, The... uh, um, opportunity to build some sort of organization in the district that creates clusters that are closer to where the parents right. and the kids live.
0: Yeah, and and, and the community supports and that the community supports need to in exist. each
1: of those areas. Right. Um, when I mentioned the UMass configuration. Yeah. the idea is that UMass will be engaged in that, right Just think of all of the things that they can do well, totally. as they rethink yeah. how they use the entire length of Mount Vernon. Uh, well,
0: I agree. and I think Benjamin Franklin's doing that very successfully as well. and they they have developed some really great relationships and they need, with and they need space. corporate partners and they need space. I yeah. have a
1: very creative way which probably will get me in serious trouble. Ben Franklin could take over Madison Park.
0: I have said that myself. The kids I already in Boston you. get yes. to go
1: free. Yes. That was the original hang up. They had had to pay
0: yeah. tuition. I know. They could go free. I'm with you. With a with a We a, could start a campaign. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it would require a memorandum and yeah. a contract yeah. that would ensure yeah. that Ben Franklin listed the BPS as a priority. Right. Just think of what that could do. Oh, I know. It'd the folks who are underemployed and mm-hmm. unemployed, you would then have a second shift. Absolutely. You would then begin to implement what you said might be a limited program in automobile mechanics.
0: Well, yeah, it'd be pathways to careers for so many more kids. Sure. I mean, it's extraordinary what they do. Sure. All
1: right. All right. Well, we must
0: stop for today. I Thank you. <laughs> So much. I'm so grateful that you took time out to join us today. This has been really interesting and compelling. For me, we'll have to do it again.
1: I'm all, uh, I'm all ears.
0: Thank you for listening to my conversation with Michael Contempasis. It's amazing to hear someone who has been involved in Boston Public Schools for decades talk about race and admissions at Boston Latin School. Michael's point of view That the administration needs to focus more comprehensively on the underserved elementary schools in our district is an important view that we will dive into more deeply in future podcasts. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast, and if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.